0: Legacy, and I told you uh, last week that we do this because everybody leaves a legacy. Everybody's going to have something that they talk about. In my particular field of vocation, I I get to be with people at the happiest times of their lives—the birth of their kids. Matter of fact, there's a new baby here, Ian and Brittany McClure. Which I probably shouldn't have said this because don't touch the baby, because. You just don't touch new babies, so don't touch the baby. I'll say it for you so you don't have to be that mom. But their new baby girl, Rowan, is right there today. She's our first day in church. Hey, little baby girl. Give them a big hand, everybody. Yeah. That's a big deal. Get used to my voice, baby girl. You're going to get on the team before long. So I'm glad that you're uh, you're here. I get to be with, with parents like that the day just hours after Baby Rowan was born, I was uh, there, and then I and then unfortunately, I'm I'm with you know people at the darkest times of their lives, in loss and in funerals, and it's always funny you go to a funeral and people say the stuff that you wish you would have said when you were alive, when the person you know laying there is is alive. You said, man, I, I wish we would have said that. I wish you know they could have heard us say that, and and then and then you sort of live the rest of your life, you know, talking about the legacy. That they leave, You know, Grandpa did this, and, and man, I, you know, we loved about, and, and you just recall to your mind something that they left behind, something that really did make a difference. And, and honestly, my prayer for you in this series and in this particular season of our church is that you and I and our church as a whole really learn what it's like and, and, and dive into ourselves about what could we do to leave a legacy that our kids and our grandkids are proud of. Like, I want to live my life in such a way that my grandkids look back and go, man, that old dude, he, he had it till the very end. Come on, somebody. Like he, was, it, it, like, he just made a difference in our family tree. And some of you are living the difference, you know. You, you weren't handed that kind of legacy. And you decided, hey, look, I don't care what we were handed. We're going to do something different. Everything's going to be different in our lives and in our family. We're going to change everything. And we're going to live a life of legacy. And I want to talk to you about that today, specifically how together you and I could do what we could do to lay up what the Bible calls treasures in heaven, or or what it means to sort of live your life in such a way that you're not living for this world. And the reason is because there's something that you and I have to get settled in our minds about how we live our lives this way, and we have to answer the why in our life. Here's the way I like to say it. When you know your why, when you understand your why, then you'll always find your way. I have a little three-year-old little boy, and he, his favorite phrase right now, honest to goodness, he can't say anything else. He, it's like he's speaking in tongues except when he says, but why? It's the only sentence he knows, and he says it all the time. It doesn't matter what we tell him to do. The question is, but why? But, but why, Daddy? But why? And some of us live our lives honestly. You think, man, I don't know. You know, I have to. I, I want to do this. I just want to know why. Because when you know why, You'll find a way. Like when you finally settle in your mind, this is my why. Like this is the reason why this is important to me. Then you'll just find a way to make it happen. You know what I mean? When, you, when you're faced with a health crisis, nothing will put you on a diet plan that does not include Taco Cabana like a heart attack. Amen, everybody. Like because you'll find a Why? And then you'll just find a way. You know, nothing will change your spending habits, like you know, like a bankruptcy. You just may I gotta why like things have got to change. I can't leave my kids all this debt. And so I found a why, and, and, and by by discovering my why, I found a way. Now listen close. I wanna help you today to discover your why and leaving a legacy so that you'll find a way. To leave a legacy in your life. And the Bible talks about There's number one motivation in the Bible. Jesus talks about this more. That the early church used this motivation. The Bible uses this motivation. And it's called treasures in heaven. You'll see this phrase over and over again. Let me read it to you in 1 Timothy 6. Paul is writing to Timothy who's the pastor of a local church. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Everybody point to yourself right in the chest and say, that's me. That's me. I've got more than I need. I'm blessed, everybody. We're blessed to live in the greatest country in the world. Shout amen, everybody. Amen. And we live in a separate country, which is Texas, inside of another great country. Amen, everybody. Amen. So I'm rich in this present world. Even though when I don't feel rich, when I look in the grand scheme of the world, I look around, I go, I'm, I'm, I'm rich here. And Paul writes to Timothy and said, Command those like you and I that are blessed and rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hopes in their wealth. Why? Because it's so uncertain. It's so uncertain. I put my hope in my house, and then, and then the market drops out, and I lost all of my equity. I put my hope in the stock market, in my 401k, and then and the stock market takes a dive. And it's just so uncertain, this world. He said, instead of that, command them to put their hope in God. Because God is the one who richly provides everything that we need for our enjoyment. In other words, God's going to bless you. It's not that He wants you to just suffer and live in poverty all your life. Matter of fact, I believe the opposite. I think God wants to bless you and, and have things in your life that you enjoy. But how you deal with what God's given you, that's the real question. So command them, instead of being arrogant and putting their hope in this world, command them to do good and to be rich, not with material wealth. Not with more houses, not with bigger boats, not with jet skis, but if you have jet skis, holler at your boy. Not, not with anything, not with all, <laughs> not with that stuff. He said, I want you to command them to be rich, how? In good deeds, and to be generous, and to be willing to share. And in this way, listen close, this is how you live. Let me give you the why of living a legacy life. Let me give you the why that at this season in our church, we all get together and we say, man, what could we do? Like, what could we do together to really leave a legacy, to really make a difference, to really impact our city and our world so that we live in a way that we, we, we don't just store up money in the bank or bigger houses or a corner office, but we lay up treasures for ourselves as a firm foundation, not in this world, but of a coming age, and so that this life starts making more sense. Over and over in the Bible, Jesus would teach this principle. The Bible talks about the motivation of our lives is not this world. It's that there is another world. That there's a coming age, the Bible would say. There's another place, and you want your treasure there more than you want it here. And you want it for a couple of different reasons, a lot of different reasons. And some of you already know this teaching, but honestly, a, a younger generation, my generation specifically, I was raised in church, and, and I would hear this kind of preaching. But honestly, my grandparents and my parents, they didn't have a problem living for heaven because they were living in hell. Amen, everybody? Like your grandparents, my grandparents, it was easy for them to talk about heaven because it was better than what they were currently living. You lived through the Depression. We lived without money, lived without food, lived without jobs. And man, heaven sounded a whole lot better than that. At least there, there was the marriage supper of the Lamb. At least we can get a good meal. Come on, somebody. Like it, it, and so it, it, it didn't bother them to think about another world. But our generation... We've been blessed, we've got so much and we're rich with material things and and this present world has affected how we think and so we don't think about the coming age. As a matter of fact, we put our hopes in this life instead of that life. and we, We don't think about heaven. And honestly, there's a couple of reasons why you and I need to think this way and lay up treasures. Here's the first one. It's because heaven, not earth, is my home. Because even though you see me and I see you right now, unless you're listening by podcast, it seems like, well, this is real and this must be my home. This is where I, you know, I'm alive here. I live here. I have a job here. We have a marriage here. We have kids here. We own a home here. This looks like this is my home. But honestly, biblically, heaven, not earth, is my home. Philippians says it uh, this way. Many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. How? Their destiny is destruction. I don't want that for you. Their God is their stomach. And He doesn't just mean people like me that are a little horizontally challenged. Come on, somebody. He's talking about people that, that, this, that live their lives consuming so much. That, that all they worship, that's their God. All they worship is more and more and more. I, I'm never satisfied. I got a new house. I want another house. We got a nice car. I want another nice car. We got a decent promotion. I wish I would have gotten the better promotion. I want more money, more 401K, more education. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just about the order that you put it in. Because there's some people who live their lives in such a way that they consume so much that their mind, look at this, is set on this stuff earthly things and paul said there's a different way for you and I to live because our citizenship is in heaven like this isn't even our home this isn't even where we really have citizenship the old time in the old church we used to say that the world is not my home i'm just passing through that's the way they used to sing it like the, the idea that all of this stuff as real as it seems to you it's temporary That this isn't really where I'm, my, my, my home, my citizenship is somewhere else. And in light of that, I eagerly await a Savior from there. Like from where I'm from. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Honestly, I think this could answer a lot of your issues. A lot of couples I sit down with in marriage counseling, this is really the problem. It's about we never have enough we're never satisfied. We work three and four jobs and overtime and we never are together and all that. And it's really not about date night. It's about this. It's about living my mind's on earthly things. I live my life for this life. I'm living everything I've got. I focus so much attention on college funds and are we going to have enough and 401Ks. And listen, all of that stuff's right. Don't get to the end of your life and not have planned. I believe in it. I'm telling you it's the right thing. But you just have to know... Just because I have a 401k here doesn't mean this is my citizenship. There's another world, and I'm living every day of my life, not for this world, but for that world. And if you learn to refocus your life on that, That this is just temporary. And that thing, if we've learned to talk about heaven more and look forward to heaven more, then things start to change in our life. And honestly, I believe this with, with all of my heart, that the single greatest deterrent, write this down, to radical generosity, is the illusion that we have that earth is our home. The single greatest reason why people do not radically give their lives away, radical generosity, give their time, their resources, their talent, everything that God's given me to manage. The reason, the number one deterrent, the reason why you don't live your life radically giving that away is the illusion that, well, I gotta work for here, that earth is my home. That this is all I have. I guess I'm just supposed to make sure I have enough here. Let me give you an example. Let me try to illustrate for you. Suppose you have a house in France. How many of you have ever been to France? Where are you at right now? How many of you have a home there? Because I want to call, call you for a little time away. Suppose you have a, a, That your home is in is in France, and you're just visiting America for 60 days or 80 days. Let's say 80 days. You're just visiting here, and you're staying in a nice red roof inn and conference center. Come on, somebody. Just a nice little hotel you've got. And here's the rule. Listen close. The rule is this, that you can't take anything from America back to home to France with you, but you can earn money here, and you can wire deposits back home to France. You can't take anything from here to there, but you can send on ahead some stuff. Now, let me ask you this. Given those parameters and rules, would you fill your hotel room up with stuff, or would you wire a bunch of money that was waiting on you when you got home? Why do we live our lives decorating our temporary hotel room with stuff and promotions, and boats, and cars, and 401Ks, and college funds, and more, and more, and more, and more, and more. When you can't take this hotel room, you're going to give back the key one of these days. And we're going to go back home where we're from, and none of the stuff I have here can I take there. However... I can, the Bible says, lay up my... There's something I can do to send it on ahead of me. I can wire back that money. That's how you would live your life. You wouldn't decorate. You wouldn't buy new, n- n- new lamps for a hotel room. Come on, so I've been to some of the hotel rooms after y'all. Y'all live in them like rock stars. Come on. Just trash a hotel room. Just rip stuff off the walls and stuff. Or a rental car. You ever been in a rental car and somebody drove it like they stole it? You know what I'm saying? Because it's not mine. I, I, why would I buy new, new drapes for, 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 for my Holiday Inn room? Because I don't live here. My home's there. So why do we get up every day and 80 hours a week and 60 hours a week and three jobs deep to buy new drapes for my Holiday Inn house? For the place that isn't even my home. When I can do something with what God's given me, I can send it on ahead of me. I can send my own treasures home. And this is the reason why. Listen close. You have to get this eternity perspective in your life because, write this sentence down and I'll explain it, because the line is longer than the dot. Let me explain it to you. The line on this, can everybody see the illustration? The line on this screen is eternity. It starts before you got here, and it keeps going long after you're here. And this little dot, that really is probably a hundred times larger than it should be, this is your life. I mean, you remember those commercials growing up where they cracked an egg and said, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. You remember that? Anybody else remember? Anybody else? Anybody? Okay, good. All right, good. This is <laughs> This is your life. That like this, this is it. And if we're not careful, we live our whole lives. Everything I have is about the dot. When the dot's the smallest part of my actual life. Because the line is longer than the dot. And my life on earth here and your life on earth here, it's just this small. It's just this fleeting. It's finite. But our life in heaven is infinite. It doesn't have a start. It doesn't have an end. So why do I focus so much on this thing instead of on this thing? And the Bible would say, listen, there's a way you could live. Hebrews says people who live this way, they live their lives in light of the line and not the dot. They make it plain that they are looking for their true home, not this world. But they're after a far better country than that. Now, I love the message translation because it calls it heaven country. Come on, I think that means heavens in the south. Amen, everybody. It's country. Come on, somebody. They have Garth Brooks playing all the time inside. I don't know that. Don't, don't, don't tell nobody I said that. I that's not true. You can see why. Look at this. Why God is so proud of them. How many of you would like to live your life in such a way that God was proud of how you lived your life? I would. How? Because there's a city that's waiting on me and I've lived my life for that place, not this place. I've given my life, I've lived in such a way that this place is not what I'm most concerned about. I'm looking for my true home, a far better country than this. In case you like the city, you can live in a city too. Country, city, doesn't matter. God said, I got both, whatever you need, okay? I got city, I got country for you. I just want you to have your mind on something other than this world that this is not all that there is in our life. And if you get that eternity perspective, listen close, if you get that eternity view that, that my life is just a dot in light of eternity, that I'm, I'm, I want to live my life, that eternity is what really matters, that heaven's what really matters, listen, then you'll start living this direction that there's limited time in my life, but there is incredible opportunity in my life. I'm feeling like preaching better than you're shouting amen. I told you I was mad at the devil today. I'm going to whip him with a, I could whip a bear with a switch right now. When you live your life in such a way that the dot is not as important as the line, then you realize, man, there's limited time that I have. But we have incredible opportunity. Our life on earth is so short. And let me be the first to tell you if I am. It's shorter than you think it is. It's shorter than you think it is. And I don't mean you're going to die in a car wreck, God forbid. I don't mean Jesus is coming back tomorrow. But He could. And you get to the end of your life at 60 years, 70 years, 80, 90 years old. And you look back and you go, man, that was so short. I wish I had more time. Not more time to work more. Not more time to invest more. I wish I had more time to make a difference. Because I have limited time. But the opportunity is so incredible. Listen to me, City Hills. Look into my eyes. We have limited time to make a difference in this world, but we have the most incredible opportunity of any generation who's ever lived on planet earth to really make a difference in this world. We have an opportunity to reach people who are far from God. We have an opportunity to reach into prisons right here in the state of Texas. I have a, matter of fact, one of my closest friends, he was an early sponsor, helped us plant this church. He is the chairman of the Department of Corrections for the entire state of Texas. Every single prison and jail in the state of of Texas is under his oversight and he was the first person who believed in us to help plant this church and not many weeks ago, a few months ago I sat across a lunch table in San Antonio and he looked at me and said, whatever prison you want to get into, to minister, it's open it's yours, whatever one you want we have limited time but we have an incredible opportunity to reach people Did you know I was reading just the other day I'm obsessed with what God's doing In in, in other parts of the world And how, how you're giving And how our giving together is changing the world Did you know that the fastest growing Christian The fastest growing Christian nation Or the fastest growing nation Where the gospel is growing In the whole world Is the Islamic Republic of Iran I just read this this week Listen close Every single month Every month in Iran alone, a million people give their hearts to Christ in Iran alone, everybody. That's absolutely amazing. Why does that happen? A few years ago, a generation ago, your parents, they couldn't see that. There was an iron curtain. There there was a wall built around it. There was a Soviet Union. Here's the reason why, because the internet and technology has made it such that there can be Christians gathered around a little cell phone in the bottom of a basement in North Korea and give their hearts to Christ. We have a limited time, but an incredible opportunity to change the world. I'll call. I'm going to be Baptist next week I promise God help me I just can't help it today To tell you how to live your life In such a way that makes a difference We have an incredible opportunity To clothe those that don't have any clothing we partner with local organizations like Hill Country Daily Bread who is doing an amazing work in the Hill Country in seven counties, feeding those who need fed and clothing those who need clothes. We have an opportunity to reach into a battered women's shelter and women who are caught in the evils of domestic violence and wrapping our arms around them and not just providing them meals and clothing and somewhere to stay but telling them there's hope and God has a plan for your life. And God's not through with you yet. We have a limited time but an incredible opportunity. We can't just live our lives for the dot, in light of the line. We have an incredible opportunity to plant churches. I believe with all of my heart, the local church is the hope of the world. Listen to me and don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Government will never, ever, ever solve any problem in this country. They've put a war on poverty 50 years ago. The war on drugs is 30 years old. And we have the highest opioid addiction on planet earth. You know why? Because government can't fix it. Congress can't fix it. Schools can't fix it. The local church is the hope of the world. We need more life-giving churches where people can find freedom from their addictions. Shout amen to that. We have a limited time, but incredible opportunity to change the world. To leave a legacy. When this life is over, that people look back at our church and they go, man, they never even had a building. They met in a movie theater. Can you believe that? But they changed the world. They made the most of their dot. To change the line. And When you live your life in such a way, Ephesians says that you got to be careful. Be careful. Be careful then how you live. That it's got to change how we live So so that we don't live unwise But as wise people Listen, making the most of every opportunity This phrase is the calling of my life This phrase is the, I I, I promise This is the calling of our church We will not be the best at everything We, 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 We couldn't get lights to come on Come on everybody We're not going to be the best at everything everybody. But I tell you what we will be We will make the most of every opportunity God gives us to reach people who are far from God. We'll do everything we can short of sin to reach people. We'll we'll have a whole series where we play movies on the screen, everybody, just to get your lost friends in church. We're going to make the most of every opportunity. Listen close. I want you to make the most of every opportunity in your life because the days are getting evil. During World War II, Winston Churchill, the prime minister of then... Of England. He he put up a sign, it was World War II, it was tough, they were in rations, things were bad, and they needed some refocus in the country. They needed to put all their resources in the right places. And so he had this poster made and he plastered it all over England. And here's what it said: it said, self-indulgence at this time is helping the enemy. Listen close. At this time, with the incredible opportunity we have, you and I cannot afford, as believers, we can't afford to live our lives just for our lives. Because it helps the enemy. We can't just hoard for ourselves. We can't, we've been giving. Listen, we're not in need, honestly. God's blessed us so much. But we we have great opportunity. And I told the Lord when we started this church, and I've told our overseers and our trustees and the people who lead this house. And, If you're new here today We'll talk about that in Growth Track About how our church is set up and governed But we've decided We will not be the church With millions of dollars in the bank While people are still far from God As long as there are people Going to hell in San Antonio As long as there are people Who haven't heard the gospel In Iran, in North Korea, in Afghanistan As long as there are people in Bangladesh Who don't know Jesus Christ died for their sins We're going to use everything we've got And leverage every dollar we have Every building we have Every person we have Everything God gives us We're going to make the most of every opportunity we've got to reach the world. Because our time is limited. And our opportunities are so great. Jesus gives us this why. You, you sort of get the why. The why of my legacy life is such that, 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 that I, I get to do something different. And, and really, Jesus gives us this insider trading tip. You know, like Martha Stewart. You know what I'm saying? Like, he finds this insider trading tip. He says, hey, psst, Let me let you in on a little secret about how you can live differently. Let me let you in on a little secret about some insider trading. If you'll live this way, things will be different. Here's what he says in Matthew 6. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Here's an insider trading tip. Listen. When you do that, moth and rust and everything's going to be destroyed. Thieves are going to break in and steal all your stuff. Let me let you in on a little secret. He said, all this stuff that you're killing yourself for, investing your whole life in, it's going to be destroyed anyway. So, store up treasures in heaven. Here's an insider trading tip. Because moths and rust can't get there. They don't destroy there. Thieves don't break in and steal there. And, and wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart, there your heart will be also. You may have heard that misquoted sometimes in your life. Honestly, I, I, I may have misquoted it at times in my life. Where I, I said, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible says, wherever your treasure is, your heart follows your treasure. Let me give you a great example of that. How many of you remember your first car? The car that, now listen, not the car your mama gave you. Not the car your grandmama, like she gave you some money to buy it. I'm talking about the car you worked at Piggly Wiggly bagging groceries and saved up $1,500 and you bought a Mazda 626. Where you at right now? That was just my story. I don't know if that's your story. I remember. I drove that car differently than I drove mama's car. I drove mama's car like I stole it I left the keys in it The doors open I don't care what y'all do It doesn't matter It ain't mine It's hers She'll figure it out But that little $1,500 car $2,000 car I bought with my stuff I washed that joker Every other day You hear me? I took care of that Why? Because my treasure was there And my heart follows my treasure Listen Listen If you want your heart in this earth, then you invest and leverage everything you have, your time, your resources, your energy, your talent, your family. You invest all that in this earth and find out where your heart goes. But if you want your heart set in heaven, if you want your heart on heavenly things, if you want your heart for eternity and what's coming next, and you realize that's really where I'm the citizen of, this isn't even my home, then your treasure goes first and you'll find it amazing what happens. Your heart follows. Your treasure. It's why I push you so hard to discover your purpose at places like Growth Track. Because I want you to get on the team that's making a difference. Because I know that if you invest your time and your talent, the thing God put in your hand, that your heart will follow that. And it'll be amazing what'll happen. You'll come to church. How many dream team? Where are all the dream team at? Where you at? Make noise. Let me hear dream team. There they are. Let me tell you what I found I'm telling you this has been true for it's been true for over the year that we've been here and honestly my whole ministry almost 20 plus years in full time vocational ministry I found this to be true that people's lives are changed most when they when their treasure goes first when they get when they start serving when they don't feel like it it don't even make any sense I don't have any extra time I don't want to give up early we don't I don't even know what to do but they do it they put God first Amelia look at my eyes they put God first and then what happens my heart starts following is that what happens then everything in my life starts changing because I decided to put my treasure here and my heart follows my treasure. That's how you live your life in such a way that it's it's not just about here because honestly, you can't take it with you. Write this thing down. I told you this last week. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I'm not going to just invest my life in this stuff. I'm going to wait and send it on. I, I, I'm going to close our, our, our uh, Henry, come play some soft music so they think I'm closing. I'm not, but just give them some hope. Jesus told this story. He was a master storyteller. He so said, let me tell you how, let me tell you how to illustrate this. Look on the screens and I, I'll work it really quick. You don't have to open your Bibles, just trust me. Luke 12, he said, he told them this parable, that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Isn't this the way it always is? He's already rich, and now he gets more rich and abundant harvest. Isn't that the way the whole life works? Come on, somebody. The rich just keep getting richer. And Jesus tells this story. He says, the rich man's already got a bunch of stuff, and then he puts something in the ground, and it, an abundance of harvest, and everybody in the room just rolls their eyes. Of course. Of course that's what happens. And he thought to himself, the rich man, what would I do with all this? I have no place to store my crops who, who, come on somebody (laughs) you ever met somebody got a BMW talking about I think I want a new one I don't know I don't know if I like this one I've got so much stuff he said I don't even know where to store it so he said I I know what I'll do this is what I'll do I'll tear down my barns because I got money to do that and I'll build bigger ones and there I'll store listen my surplus grain I'm already rich God's given me more what could I do with that? I know what I'll do I'll store it away here and I'll say to myself self, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years listen why would you store up your stuff? well so I can consume it later so here's the misconception the enemy would tell you, you've got extra stuff, you must have extra time, many years that's the biggest lie the enemy will tell You've got extra stuff, you must have extra time. I'll just store all this stuff up, I'll take life easy, I'll eat, I'll drink, I'll go to Krispy Kreme, I'll be merry. At least that's what makes me happy, so that's what I think about. That's that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm just going to store up everything i got right here. Then then the Bible said, God said to him. Jesus is telling this story. He says, you fool. Now listen, he didn't call him a fool because he had stuff. And I'm not telling you you're wrong because you got stuff. He didn't say you're a fool because you're rich. He didn't say you're a fool because I blessed you with an abundance of harvest. He said you're a fool because you misunderstood what to do with what you've got. Because this very night, the night that you built all your your effort, everything, I'm going to put all my hope in this stuff. This night, your life will be demanded from you. He dies that day. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Well, what's the answer to the question? Well, I guess somebody else will. I guess somebody else is going to have it. So Jesus says, Well, here's what this means in your life this is how it will be. Listen, for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God He said there's going to come a time in your life when you realize all this stuff you can't take it with you And if you haven't lived your life in a way that's rich towards God what do you have when your day comes So here's what my prayer for you is over this over the course of our legacy time together in the last two weeks, my preaching to you, and really for the next several weeks, as we prepare to bring what we call our legacy offering on December the tenth, six weeks from today, I won't preach about it again. Matter of fact, I'm going to distract you and play the biggest series that we've ever done at at the movies, because I don't want you to feel pressured. I'm not. I don't believe in it. I'm not going to put pressure, on you we're never going to ask you for anything. But I am going to unapologetically ask you to ask God. What it what should I do with what I have? How could I live my life to be rich towards God? Let me give you a couple of ways. Write these three things down and then I'll let you go. The first one is I'm going to give myself to God. I'm going to give myself wholly and completely to God. It's easier to give my stuff to God when He has all of my life. All the other giving seems easy when I give him my whole life 1 Corinthians says you're not your own You're bought with a price Therefore honor God with your bodies He said you don't even belong to you I'm going to give myself to God That's why, listen That's why we give our offering at this church At the end of our services we first started the church we used to give it in the middle of service because that's just I grew up in church that's what you always did you you gave an offering in the middle of service but God convicted my heart we give it at the end because we worship at the end of all of our services and God said listen I want you to give at the same time you're worshiping because this isn't about money this is about your heart I'm going to give everything I've got I'm going to give my whole self to God I'm going to live in such a way that he has everything the second thing I'm going to do is act like a steward and not an owner Because all this stuff I've got, it isn't even mine. God gave it to me. This is the the Lord. Deuteronomy says it this way. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one that gave you all those brains and ability to produce wealth. I know you think you got where you are on your own. You're a self-made man, but you aren't. God gave you all that. And, And if this is all God's stuff, I gotta manage it well. I'm gonna be a steward. This is not, I'm gonna manage God's money, God's time, I'm gonna manage God's stuff. I'm gonna steward everything I've got. Not just with a percentage. I'm gonna give him everything I've got. It's not a question of how much. It's a question of how much money of God's of God's money will I keep? How much of God's time will I keep? How much of God? I, I don't even ask how much I'm gonna give away because it's all his anyway. How do I give back to him what is his anyway? Just gonna manage what God gave me. We'll be a steward and not an owner. And then the last thing is I'm going to view everything through the lens of eternity. Listen, that there's more to this life than this life. And that we have limited time, but incredible opportunity. That we can change the world together, my friend. We can change nations and cities, family trees. We can change a little boy's life who's in an orphanage that we build. We can change a a, a young mother's life who who comes and we care for her in a crisis pregnancy center that we help build. We can change the world together. How do you do that? How do you do it? I'm going to view everything through eternity. I'm going to give my whole life away. I'm going to be intentional about it. I'm not going to leave it to chance. I'm going to pre-decide. This is what I'm going to give to God. Listen close. It's the reason why we do not put pressure on you to give. It's the reason why I'm preaching it now and not taking an offering now. It's because I'm not going to pressure you. But write this at the top of your page. On December the 10th is our legacy offering. And I want to give you a chance to give something bigger than yourself and I want you to ask God what would you have me do? How would you have me leverage everything I've got in my hands? How would you have me leverage what you've given me? I can't store it up for myself. I can't just keep buying more stuff for me and accumulating more stuff for me. God, what could we do together? Listen, church. As your pastor, I'm asking you to ask God what could we do together to change the world? How could we build campuses around San Antonio that, that affect college campus? You know, when you change a college campus, you change the world. When you affect a university, you, you affect the whole world. How, how could we build campuses by UTSA and, and, and Incarnate Word? How could, we, how could we do around Trinity? How could we change the world together? University of Texas, Texas State. How could we change the world together? How can we leave a legacy that when people look back on this church, they don't look about buildings, they don't think about campuses, they, they, they don't think about land, they don't think about money. They think, man, those people changed the world. Those people, listen close, made a difference. It's my ultimate prayer for you. It's the four things we want you to do. Know God, find freedom, and discover your purpose so that you could live your life in such a way and we could arrange this whole church in a grand conspiracy against this world. We're not living for this, for earth, for stuff. No, no, no. I'm living to make a difference. I'm living in light of eternity. And, and to be honest with you, I'll never miss what I invest Take somebody by the hand and stand all over the house. Let me pray for you. Nobody moving for about two minutes except our team. Everybody else. Close your eyes and bow your head. and Hold somebody tight by the hand. This is a holy moment, so I don't want you to be distracted. Just close your eyes if you're comfortable. Here's the prayer I want you to pray. God, am I living my life in such a way that I'm leaving a legacy that I'm proud of? Will my grandkids look back and say, there's the old home place? Or will they look back and say, man, that old God didn't leave us much, but He changed the world. He he took the gospel to cities that didn't have it, inner cities. He, he clothed those who were naked and fed the hungry and built Bible schools and orphanages around the world. He reached into unreached people groups, and translated the Bible. Man, we don't have much. Papa didn't leave us a whole lot of money, but what a legacy. God, what would you say to me, to Brandy and I, and Hazel and Henry? God, don't let my legacy just be preacher, Bible teacher, communicator. Make a difference. I want my life to count. God, forgive me for living for this world. More stuff, bigger houses, nicer cars. All that stuff's okay. But this isn't even my home. Help me to send it on ahead. To invest everything I've got. Not just my money, my time, my talents. Everything you've given me. In that world. Let me send it on ahead. Let me lay up treasures there. Let me leave a legacy. that makes a difference. God, in the next six weeks, would you speak to our church? Everybody in the room, put your hand over your heart and say, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, as we sit around kitchen tables with our wives and our husbands and our kids, and as we decide what we're going to give together, what we're going to bring to God on December the 10th, Whatever that is, we're going to make a difference with it. God, speak to us. And God, come on, hand on your chest. God, before you ask, my answer is yes.